0: Hi, everybody. This is Steve Wilcox. Let's get right in today's reading from Daniel 5, verses 1 through 12. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. But suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall, near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew paler, and his nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. "'May the king live forever,' she said. "'Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale.' There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom, like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. Okay, so I'm going to take the 12 verses and break them down into three sections and pull out some observations from each of those sections. Although I think there is, for me at least, one primary takeaway from these scriptures today. But I'll get to that. So the first section is from verses 1 through 4, and we find here that there is a new king, boom, uh, in the place of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is not mentioned. He ends on a high note, though, praising God. And then we move right into this uh, story of Belshazzar, who is likely his grandson. And things don't quite end so well uh, here, but that's uh, upcoming. So, Belshazzar is having a party, a thousand people, and there is alcohol involved, which could not end up ending so well. But while under the influence, Belshazzar gets the idea to bring in the decorative serving vessels that had been plundered from God's temple in Jerusalem, and they were to be used as just common red solo cups, so to speak, at the party. And while they were using them Uh, They added insult to injury by then praising the false gods of gold, silver, bronze, and other materials. So for me, the takeaway uh, here is watch your intake of substances that can affect your judgment. Pretty simple, low-hanging fruit there for all of us. We live in a world that encourages us to find peace of mind, relaxation, as well as well, all this well-being by the, just the things we can ingest or even just the activities we can be involved in to keep our emotions high and feel good. Whereas the scripture uh, encourages us to find those things by being alert and sober and self-controlled. Next for me is the big point, which is do not treat as unholy the things that God considers holy. This is a huge point for me. In this story, it was the misuse and the defilement of the cups and other serving vessels that were used in worship in God's holy temple. That was a very bad move on the part of the partygoers. Not only that, he and his friends then started to glorify gods that are really not even gods, and that ended up being like a very big second insult to God that he dealt with. Now, before I get down to Belshazzar for being such an idiot, um, you know, I really do need to stop and apply those lessons to my own life. And so the question that I ask myself is, what do I have that is holy that I am not using the way God intended? And boom, and silence in my mind, because I know that I need to treat myself as a temple of God's Holy Spirit um, more appropriately what i uh intake and what i uh do with my body also my mind but it even extends beyond my personal self how am i treating my my wife my children my parents and and my neighbor things that scripture uh certainly has something to say about in addition who or what am i holding and praising inappropriately in my life that could be an idol is it success is it money Is it those other things that are quite common to get uh, distracted by rather than the good, consistent, uh, faith-filled life? You know, do I consider my comfort uh, and my happiness more important than what God's kingdom may require of me? Those are great questions I need to ask myself, and I think we all need to ask ourselves. Moving into the second section, verses 5 through 9, all of a sudden during the party, a disembodied hand appears in the room and it starts writing something on the wall. Well, the king sees it, and he freaks out. And perhaps God has had enough. True to form of the Babylonian leaders, the king calls in all of his wise men and conjurers, to which he offers a great reward if someone can interpret the message, which, of course, they cannot. So here we go again. It's time for Daniel to appear on the stage. In this section, I find two points that really kind of give me comfort uh, in today's world. Number one is that God is observing what's going on at a very personal level. He knows what we think. He knows what we do. He knows our actions. And he is concerned about that. And he's concerned about it in a good way for our own benefit. And, you know, number two... God can act dramatically if he wants to. Many times in today's world, we kind of forget that. We don't think God can act dramatically, but this scripture proves that he can and will if necessary. So in the third section, verses 10 through 12, we find that the queen is the person who remembers about Daniel's amazing ability. Uh, The queen could be Belshazzar's wife, it could be his mother, or perhaps even his grandmother, who would have been married to Nebuchadnezzar. Anyway, this woman remembers Daniel and the amazing gift that he has. But I find it interesting that she uses the word uh, gods, the gift of the gods, with a little g. She doesn't actually remember the dramatic testimony that Nebuchadnezzar gave at the end of chapter 4. That, you know, highlights the living God of the universe, with a capital G. So anyway, Daniel is brought in, and he has again been identified as the person who can probably solve this problem. I think the main point here is to remember who God is and what He has done for you. Too often, we move beyond an answered prayer or a dramatic work of God in our life, and it begins to fade from our memory. Well, how do we help remember? those things. Well, certainly you can write them down and review them. But I think also just regular praying, reading, meeting with others all have a place in our lives. And that keeps us from making the same mistake of forgetting about God and forgetting about what he says and the things that are important. And Daniel throughout this book is a great example of a person of consistent faith. And with that consistent faith, he is therefore an effective follower of God. In fact, as we see here through a number of examples of dramatic of dra- dramatic stories, uh, he does the right thing at the right time. You know, there's certainly more to this story, which will be looked at in the next podcast regarding Belshazzar. Uh, and it, uh, let's just say it probably isn't going to end well. I'm just glad that we are covered now by God's grace and we have the ability to seek him, ask forgiveness, and move on. He's not yet at this point of judgment for us. But if I want to pull out further details of the story, I appreciate how God, appreciate how God confirms that Daniel can accurately seek out God's will and reveal God's moving and actions. Later on, God gives an even bigger vision to Daniel— to Daniel himself, that he is called to relay and interpret for the future. Not only did it apply to those who lived closer to Daniel's time, but it also applies to us, and personally as well, regarding the future of God's actions in our world. So a lot of stuff there, but let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace toward us. We thank you that you are living and active, and that you do care about us, and you care about our future. We know, Father, that you will... uh, if we ask, be involved in our lives and you will save us and you will help us to live a more fulfilling life here and now and in the future. I pray, Lord, that like Daniel, that we can, we can interpret situations and at times difficult things that we have to deal with and come out on the other side as someone full of faith who has listened to you and made the best of the situation. So we thank you for your love and care, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.